we've got some squadrons to talk about. We have here Scalp Waka. Hello. Thanks for having me. The winner of the Star Wars Operation Ace Open Tournament. And we're going to be talking all about tips and tricks and squadrons. Welcome. 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 Welcome to Uplink. First off, you guys are insane. Like, how are you so good at the game? Um, <laughs> lots of flight time and lots of time sitting in practice mode thinking what stupid things can we get this game to do for us? <laughs> um, and that's about it. You know, a combination of a few things. we got a lot of really good guys on that team. It's a really good um, team mentality. So it just kind of works, I guess. I mean, you definitely have to have something along those lines. Like, goodness gracious, you guys are monsters. It's so crazy to me to see how skilled players can be at this game. You you guys you were blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it gets. Um, I've been playing since day one. Uh, ever, like when I started playing the game, I knew that I wanted to play it competitively. I knew that it was going to be a skill based game. Um, so since you know October second, I've just been eight to ten hours a day playing the game all day long. You know, learning it, trying to one up. You know, the best players in the game and. Turns out that you get really good pretty quickly that way. <laughs> Definitely. So what is your process like when you go into, what, what were you guys doing when you were like, okay, Operation Ace just got announced. We're definitely going to be a part of this. What was your process from that announcement? Um, If I remember correctly, it got announced early December. So immediately I was like, okay, what's our team? And sat down and within like a day or two had my team, and then also the Shrapnel Squadron uh, had both of those teams put together. And then from then on out, it was every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we were sitting and practicing for six hours, scrimming against each other, um, against other teams, trying to figure out what composition-wise we wanted to run. We got that ironed out in about another week, and then for two weeks after that, it was just all practice what game modes were you specifically playing um fleet battles specifically that's just about all we play yeah uh, honestly all fleet battles what were your best used strategies for fleet battles because you guys did you guys am i remembering correctly were you undefeated um we were undefeated up until the finals where we lost game two and then yes game three i was sitting at home um because I, me and Hunted shoutcasted the match right before yours. And I went home, put put the stream up on the TV, and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so what we do is we run a support with Mark and Mask. And that is kind of the crux of the entire thing. Uh, those two auxiliaries on support are borderline broken. Uh, to be frank, like they're really, really <laughs> strong if you can pull it off with a team that knows how to stick to their role and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Our interceptors on the our interceptors auxiliaries aren't really super important. Um, quick locks are really good with Mark. Quick locks were there. Just making sure the bomber and their support was off the field so that one, they weren't farming AI, two, they weren't marking and masking us. Okay. And then after that, it was just keeping our support alive. We had a, you know, a bomber farming on defense and then two fighters running objective on offense, um, some ion torps 
proton torps in there. But yeah, just generally like that support market mask is really, really strong. Um, they work it more as like a force amplifier. Okay. So like in solo queue games, supports aren't super viable just because you're relying a lot on random teammates and you can't necessarily coordinate. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can consistently coordinate to get all of the players masked and then mark opposing frigates and opposing players, it's it's a lot of pressure mentally on the other team, not even just what's going on in game. So I love the the differences in the meta in squadrons. I also love how important the support is. And this is something that we've talked about anytime that we talk about uh, the competitive play in squadrons is how important the support is. What I think there was a couple teams that were playing in the tournament that went away from the support. What is the value that you see the support plays in the meta of competitive squadrons? Um, again, like it's a force amplifier. So a lot of teams don't run it. It's really hard to use effectively. Mm-hmm. So if you can use it effectively, it's again, it's borderline broken. Like there's no real counter to the, the auxiliaries that we're using outside of just hoping we mess up and don't get our damage in before the mask runs out. So teams that aren't running it are running another dogfighter. Typically I've seen other teams run three objective, um, which is good. It applies a lot of pressure, but um, with that, that mask going down, that acts as another dogfighter kind of in effect. Okay. And that's why we use it. Like it's, and we've seen since, since that tournament, there's been a lot of teams like dropping that their dogfighter and going with the support. Uh, and trying to figure out the mark mask could you give us a little bit of a rundown for those who aren't like super into the the meta of squadrons what are some of the the key phrases that you use when you when you're talking about squadrons and the competitive play uh what do you mean specifically like is there um so dogfighter refers to strictly interceptors or defenders can fit that role Mm-hmm. terms that i'm using i don't know because <laughs> they're so ingrained <laughs> into me yeah. so if i say something just catch me on it and be like okay can you explain that yeah so because, like in mark and mask what what are you what are you mentioning okay in that? um the support has two auxiliaries targeting mark and squadron mask uh, the mark will if you target enemy players um, and capital ships with it it does extra damage to capital ships and on players, it does extra damage, delays their countermeasure, so they can't countermeasure while they're marked, and you will target lock quicker. Okay. So if you stack that with some quick locks on your team, you're getting quicker locks, and they're taking extra damage, and they can't countermeasure it, so they can only dodge it, mm-hmm. um, which is a really stressful situation <laughs> to be in. <laughs> um, and then the Excellent. squadron mask is 750 meters away from the support. It is your team only. It doesn't mask the support. But it is a 10-second stealth, and 10 seconds is honestly a really long time. Yes. I mean, the amount of things that go ha- that go on at once in a squadron's tournament match, it's hard to keep up with. It really is. It really is. What what has been your experiences with the competitive scene in squadrons, and what what really drew you to that? So I was I'm I've always been like a competitive person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know this game. For many in the community, it was like dream game. Holy cow! Like, oh yeah, <laughs> modern Star Wars dogfighting. You know what I mean? So it, it kind of just fit. And then, in terms of the meta, like this game, it's been such a whirlwind. Uh, we're still learning. Like, we're only scratching the surface of what we can do. 
I mean, in yeah, this game. it's it's been out three months now, and even the skill base that has been shown in that first month has been outperformed now, and I just see there's definitely going to be a continuation of that skill floor and the skill ceiling going up. Absolutely. I really hope so. We're, we're trying to do things to increase the floor um, so that new players getting into the game have a lot of resources mm-hmm. to try and understand the game. Definitely. What what are some of the, the best tips and tricks that you could give to someone just starting out in the game? Let's say someone wants to get into competitive esports for squadrons. What's some of the best advice that you can give for that? Um, I would suggest checking out Twitch. There are several really good competitive players that stream on Twitch. And you'll be directed to the multiple high-level squadrons discords um, where there's tons of strategy (laughs) talk going on at all times. Um, And then just playing the game, honestly, like taking what you're seeing from them in the way they're playing the game and trying to apply that to your own games um, and ask questions, right? Like, ask questions. I can say, don't fly straight and always be boosting and or drifting. Yeah. <laughs> um, those two things will put you ahead of a lot of players. <laughs> 100%. I, love, I also love how supportive the Squadrons community is and has been so far. Uh, people come to mind, uh, obviously you, and as well as Avenger 1, always great. I mean, you just watch one of his streams for like two seconds and... <laughs> I was from like one of his streams. I learned how to drift. That is one of the best ways that you can really start to up your game in squadrons. I feel. Yeah, yeah. This community has been um, really, really refreshing in terms of a competitive community because they can be pretty, pretty toxic pretty quickly. But they can. This one has weathered the storm so far. It seems. Yes. <laughs> um, watching high-level players um, and hearing the way that we approach the game is often like, oh, wow, I didn't even think of you know that little thing that has big implications for the way I play. As soon as you like open up your, your horizons of what's possible in the game, I think that's where you can start taking your skills to the next level. Once you realize you can do something everyone starts to be able to push that boundaries even more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the second we figure out, oh, that team over there has discovered you can do this and it's really effective. Okay, let's figure out how to do that. Let's figure out how to counter it and then let's figure out how to do it better. Yes. So it's (laughs) And it's every day there's something new. Like just the other day we were laughing about um, the B-Wing and then we realized it has mines and you can combine the gyro with it. So it's got 12 mines deploying every, I think it was four and a half seconds. And we were laughing about it because like, why would you do that? But then we started thinking like, hold on, if we use this effectively, like that's 12 mines, you know, like that's a lot of stuff on the battlefield, but definitely um, what, what are your thoughts on the B wing? Cause that, get, that, that ship is basically <laughs> like a flying shed. <laughs> um, Okay. I have very hot takes on the B-Wing in the competitive community, <laughs> just out front, right? Okay. I really, really like it. The issue with it is it's so stinking slow, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it can be used effectively. Um, again, squad mask is really strong, and the B-Wing throws out a lot of damage. So if you're able to mark the f- capital ships as well, um, it's not going to be a good time for the other team. Mm-hmm. But you got to get it in, and that's the big thing. 
So you combine it with mask on short travel time maps, you might have a recipe for success there, but I've yet to see it be pulled off effectively in comp. Mm-hmm. I really wish it was more effective than it was. I really, really like the B-Wing. It's such a cool, cool ship, but I don't think even uh, like all of the, the broadcasted maps or matches in Operation Ace, I don't think anyone used the B-Wing. The Defender, the TIE Defender was used quite frequently. Uh, one team at one point had four of them, but w- what do you see? What's the advantages of the, the TIE Defender versus the other ships? I've also got hot takes here as well. Good. Lay them <laughs> out. <laughs> so I don't fly the TIE Defender. Um, I find it very boring. Um, so I stick to my little TIE Interceptor. Um, but the TIE Defender is extremely maneuverable and really, really benefits from not really being able to hit drifting targets. The hit detection there is very wonky. Um, so the Defender because it's drifting literally all the time and its power recharges so fast is taking advantage of that. Yeah. Um, There are ways to get around it and there are ways to counter it. It's just an annoying ship to deal with. And um, it's probably the easiest Imperial ship to survive with. That may be a hot take. (laughs) That's why people are drawn to it. Because like, oh, I don't have to run this uh, no HP TIE Interceptor anymore. Cool Mm -hmm. beans. This episode of Uplink Podcast is brought to you by It's Not a Tiny House Podcast, a podcast all about alternative living and making it happen. Definitely go give them a listen. Link will be in the description of this episode. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. When you're putting together a team, uh, solo style, the movie. (laughs) Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. When you put together a squadron's team, what are the types of ships that you look for? Obviously, you need to have the support ship, and then bombers are very effective. What what other ships are you looking for when you put together a team? Okay, so the way my team is put together, we've got two interceptor players, one objective player, one support player, and one flex. That flex functions to play objective 95% of the time. Okay. Unless we really, really need him to dogfight. So you kind of want to... That's just where the meta's at right now, is the two ints, two fighters, one support. Do you see that changing at any point as as we move forward in the, the game, as, as the strategies develop? Do you see that being changed at all, or do you think that's pretty solid layout as we move forward? Um, At the moment, it's really, really solid. Um, I could potentially see teams going one support, three interceptors... One objective, although that's really risky. You're betting a lot on your interceptor players. Um, because the mask and the mark is really, really, really strong, I see teams that are not running support kind of having to swap out and go support, at least until there's a counter to that. Because right now the only counter is killing the support before those get off, and it is really, really hard to do that. Yes, <laughs> especially um, everyone's so protective of the support. It's right, hard to right. Get that. Right. That's uh, most of my kills during op ace were people trying to kill my support. I just got in <laughs> behind them and killed them while they were flying straight and got out. You know what I mean? Like, love it. Yeah. So that support is really, really strong at the moment. I don't see that format changing. Maybe three objectives 
of three objective players would be solid, um, but you're not going to be getting many player kills. So wait, that's actually another thing that's uh, relatively recent. Um, we've started messing around with double AI farm on certain maps, uh, like Galatan and Adiri. Not going to happen. It sucks for one AI farmer. Um, but okay. like Yavin is a really good two AI farmer map um, because the creeper really spread out and there's a lot of them. And we actually used that in our base and had really short defenses in game two of Yavin. Yavin was a super controversial map. You either love it or hate it. I started <laughs> out hating it, but as I've see, been watching more people competitively play on, on the map, like I love how much of an even playing field it is. What are some of your favorite maps to uh, play squadrons in competitively? Okay, so... I'm a dirty interceptor pilot. Uh, <laughs> I was of the persuasion that Yavin sucked when I first started playing. But mm -hmm. the more I play on it and the more I see it benefits my objective players, the more I'm like, whatever, I'll play Yavin. I really like Galatan because uh, I, I just like drifting and speeding through the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has no bearing on the competitive play. <laughs> Galatan, it, it, honestly, it sucks on competitive. Like, it's really, really hard to counter torps on Galatan. Like, those... <laughs> Ion Torps and Proton, they're just going to hit. Like It's hard to counter. Um, AI farming sucks. Like it, It's just a it's a mess. Same Kind of same with Nadiri because um, it's so spaced out. Mm -hmm. But a lot of competitive teams really like Yavin because you don't have to worry about the environment. It's, yeah. It kind of brings what people enjoy from Dogfight into fleet battles. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean that's my player. personal favorite map or for personal favorite uh, mode to play in when I when I jump into squadrons when I jump into is dogfight. I love the speed of the rounds and I love how you can continue. Like I feel better after playing like five rounds of of uh, fleet bat or of dogfights, uh, just because that's my specific type of play. But um, I mean I also would love like a tournament of just dogfights on Yavin. Like I think that would be super fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yavin, um, it's really, really pretty in fleet as well because you got all the lasers flying mm -hmm. around. Um, it really feels like Star Wars, which I assume is why a lot of people are drawn to it. Yeah. Right? I have <laughs> another, again, hot take scout over here. Um, <laughs> I have been very anti dogfight from day one, really? almost to a fault. Yes, yes. What's What's your reasoning behind that? Okay, so Dogfight works off the same spawn that Fleet does. Okay. Like in terms of the timer. So if one team, when, you know, on the, they merge or whatever, one team gets two picks, they snowball it and they win. Um, it's really hard because, okay, so like also the spawns, you don't necessarily spawn on the same side. So mm -hmm. you can die at the same time and spawn on totally opposite sides of the map. Yeah. So, like, Xavian, you spawn on opposite sides of the funnel, the team controls the middle, they win. Okay. Yeah. it's It, it can get very um, not fun very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so, the reason Fleet works, even though it can be snowball-y, is because there are ways to adjust your defense and play really well to dig out of it. In dogfight, 
you kind of have to hope for that other team to not capitalize off your spawns. Because if they know the spawns and they know where you're spawning, they're just going to camp you and farm you. Mm-hmm. That's just my two cents on dogfight. You can enjoy the mode for fun. That's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> but in a like comp sense, um, it would have it would need some slight tweaks. I mean, just looking at my my skill in squadrons, I play squadrons for fun because I suck at the game. <laughs> yeah it's honestly like squadrons is a massive time sink um it is but it's so fun (laughs) it is it is so fun man it's yeah this is like the only game i can sit down for you know eight to ten hours a day and just play and Mm -hmm. so what what games is this like the first game that you've like really got into competitively or were there other games that you got the the itch with originally and then you took it to the next level with this one i've always kind of been competitive with the games that i've played not in the sense that i was you know just a really good player but in the sense that i hated losing (laughs) Um, (laughs) so i always wanted to be right yeah um fortunately enough this game is enough of a unique game that i could get in on day one be on the exact same playing field as everybody else and just put in the work to get better. And so far, that's that's it. Honestly, another hot take. <laughs> I'm loving it, I dude. This... Keep, them, keep them coming. <laughs> I'm going to have so many people mad at me, dude. Um, no, no, it, all in jokes, though. But, like, the player, honestly, even as, a, like, comp players, we're not that great at the game. I mean, it's equivalent to, like, you look at Rocket League Professionals. Yeah. You know, Season 1 compared to now, like... They were bad at the game season one, yeah. Frankly, right. Period. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's where we're at now, right? So, if the game continues to do as well as it's doing, and the community continues to support it, who knows what we'll see this time next year, right? Dude, I can't even begin to imagine what the skill skill is going to be like as we continue into this pathway. Dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. Oh, I know. It's I'm excited and scared at the same time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great to see. What what was your overall views of the first open tournament and what has been your experience watching these tournaments as they take place with operation ace kicking it off the creator clash and then going into more open games and then leading into the calrissian cup honestly man i've been uh really really enjoying it uh the competitive scene is what this game needs to sustain long term mm-hmm. and everything has built upon what came before it you know with scl cal cup the Op Ace Open. By the way, I really enjoyed flying in the Op Ace Open. It was super fun. It was a really, really good show. Really well put together. Thank you for casting. You did a great job. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, Love casting squadrons. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been it's been great to see people get together and organize. You know these events. Um, excited to fly in Cow Cup this weekend. Yeah. Uh, excited to see how that continues through the year. And then it's because I've uh, me and a few other guys have started up SCL, the Squadrons Championship League, which runs on a weekly basis, um, 
which has been really fun and really cool to see. Could you go into a little more detail on that? So it is a seven-week regular season. Um, Teams schedule the games themselves. So we don't put any scheduling restraints on them outside of, hey, you just got to get this done in a week just because, you know, the players are our greatest resource, want them to have fun, want them to be relaxed. So, you know, and they've got lives, right? So they've got all week to schedule it. Um, The games are cast on my Twitch channel. We've gone through one week already, which has been really cool to see. We got week two starting up. It will end in a playoff tournament, essentially, um, which is super cool. And it will be recurring. We've already got plans for uh, season two and everything. Uh, So it's kind of like Cow Cup. Cow Cup is using tournaments with a point format to carry over. We are doing it more of like a traditional sports league. This This is what I love about Squadrons and I love about the Star Wars community is how everyone is supportive and wants to continue to make things to do together in the community. Uh, like you're like you're saying earlier, this this esports is what the squadrons game needed for the con- community to continue and the community to evolve. Uh, before that, without private matches, I know people were. I mean, before private matches were, were announced, we cu- we talked about how they needed to be in the game in every single episode of the podcast. And that change there has sparked a whole new world where we have stuff like the Calrissian Cup, which has a total of $15,000 prize pool to pull from, from beginning to end, which is amazing to me. And it's so, so great to see the community come together and build out this new community within it. I know it, it's, it's really exciting to see, um, yeah, I was like, since day one, I've been like, okay, well, why are private matches not here? But they added it, so yep. I'm a happy camper. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's been really, really cool to see um, the community grow as well. And then just like rally behind these events. Um, again, it's like, it's been a really refreshing community to be a part of. It is. It's, I like, like we were saying earlier, it's such an open and not really toxic community knock on wood (laughs) um obviously we have the negative nancy's um that's just going to be there in any community you're going to have those naysayers but overall i think the community around squadrons has become so supportive and so positive and it's a great thing to see in a in a world and an industry that has been historically pretty toxic i mean esports is definitely up there with some of the most toxic communities pair that with star wars and somehow we get a positive community (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how that works but it does (laughs) yeah i don't i mean yeah i i honestly the what it is is this is a lifelong dream for a lot of people and people want it to work and are willing to come together to make it work what are some of the your expectations for the future of squadrons as we continue and what are some of the hopes that you want to see um, brought out for the community oh man um i'm excited to see how these events keep going um that is the biggest thing it is necessary that they continue Mm -hmm. um i honestly hope that EA and Motive are looking at what we're doing with the game because I know they've been active and like you know 
community talks every now and then. But I really, really hope that they're looking at what we're doing and like, hey, we can take this game and make it bigger and make it appeal to a wider audience. And, you know, Squadrons 2. That's like my fever, fever dream, right? Yeah. But for the, in the meantime, uh, just continue, continue doing what we're doing uh, with these events and supporting everything. Do you right. think that we will eventually get a Squadrons 2, or do you th- see this as more of like a developing game? And this is like, I mean, Melee is continuing to be a competitive game. So is this the Melee of the Star Wars community, or do you see sequels coming out of it? Um, I would be happy with either one, honestly. Like, it doesn't. we don't necessarily need a Squadrons 2. It would be nice to reach a broader audience, I guess. Um and have more support there but yeah i wouldn't mind if this game just stayed where it's at and the community stayed alongside it and continued to support it Mm -hmm. Uh, because honestly man this is probably the most satisfying game i've ever played in terms of just a core gameplay loop like it's star wars man you know what i mean yes that that is it entirely it's Star Wars, and it feels Star Wars from the get-go and all the way continuing. Uh, one last thing that I want to pick your brain on and possibly lead into a hot take. <laughs> Before Operation Ace and when it was announced, there was um, a couple people I saw that it's not real squadrons unless you turn off the HUD and just oh, use Lord. the mechanics. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's pretty... <laughs> I think it's crappy. Uh, I think it's like gatekeepy. But what are your thoughts? Um, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> don't. There's no reason to play. Okay. Outside of like campaign immersion, or you know, you're playing um, for immersion, right? Yeah. Play instruments only. Whatever. In terms of playing competitively, things are. You could maybe honestly, I maybe there is a niche community for that, and I would be interested to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, I personally don't mind the HUD elements; like they are very helpful and very hard to do things already. So I need as much of a handicap given to me as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, instruments only. It's a. I haven't actually personally played an instruments only ever. Mm -hmm. Um. So maybe I'll give it a shot and get back to you. But yeah, in terms of just like, this isn't real squadrons. This isn't really competitive, like playing instruments only. Um, No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Finishing off, what would you say your biggest hot take is? Let's go. Oh God. The the B-Wing is a hard counter to the defender. (laughs) That's my biggest hot take and people hate me for it. (laughs) (laughs) Could you go in a little more detail on that? Okay, if the B-Wing was actually an effective ship, it's got ion damage built into it. The Defender, like, just dies to ion damage. You know, you get ion laser, shoot it three times, bye-bye Defender. Um, <laughs> it just goes away, you know? Yep. So, if the B-Wing could actually move around the battlefield, mm-hmm. um, it would have to be focused down in order for Defenders to survive. But the B-Wing, at the moment, is not very maneuverable it's a you know it's a fridge in space basically (laughs) so (laughs) at the moment it's not very effective at gunning the defenders down but if it were an effective ship defenders would have a hard time your description there i'm i'm buying it 
I don't see how how much of a big hot take that <laughs> oh, no. is. I guess I don't know whether that's a failure or a victory, to be honest. <laughs> um, we just need the B wing to get faster. <laughs> yes, and be able to turn. It can't turn. No, it's, it can't. It makes me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, it's got the longest. I think, if I remember, it's got the longest um, boost pull of any ship. Mm. It's like thirteen seconds straight of boosting. Yeah, but even uh, that, it's which, like the slowest ship possible <laughs> without yeah, boosting. Yeah, it's, it's still it's still very slow. Um, and another hot take: um, rapid fire on an A wing is better than standard laser. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh boy, <laughs> that is apparently another hot take. I did use it during op ace. <laughs> Good success, you know. So beautiful. I'll continue to do it. But <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, to top things off, the best strategies is just continue to play. If you can sink the time into the game, you're definitely going to get better. It's one of those types of games where the more you play it, the better you get. It's instead of, I mean, there's some games where you can continue to just put a whole bunch of time into it and then not get the uh, satisfaction of improving, but that. That game is not Squadrons. Squadrons really benefits from more time being put into it. And a willingness to learn, watch streams, those are super helpful. I'll put your info in the description of this episode. Definitely go check out his streams. You're close to becoming partner? I just applied, yes. Excellent. Hope you get it, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Again, it was a lot of fun. It really was. That's all for this episode of Uplink Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash uplinkpodcast to get exclusive content as well as access to Uplink Plus, a monthly exclusive podcast talking all things wider world of gaming, Star Wars, and more. Definitely come check this out and help us support the show. A great free way to support the show is by leaving us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you can leave a review of the podcast, it helps us out a ton and helps new listeners find the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Uplink Podcast as well as on Instagram, Uplink Podcast as well. Twitter is a great way to keep up to date on all things Star Wars gaming as well as all things on the show. Also, definitely check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Star Wars Battlefront podcast. We stream every Saturday at usually it's around 12 p.m. MST. We play Star Wars games, we play Among Us, we play all kinds of fun stuff, and it is a great time. Also, stay tuned for some more content coming to our YouTube channel as we are ramping things up for 2021. Also, if you love video games, Star Wars, plants, and pizza, definitely check us out on Discord. Link will be in the description. Come join our awesome community. You can listen to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, you can find the show. As always, thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.